Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me, on the mic, hosting an episode where I share recent reflection or story from my own life, as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Melissa Ben Ishay. Melissa is a mom, baker, and founder of Baked by Melissa, the New York City-based dessert brand famous for its handcrafted bite-sized cupcakes in a wide variety of ever-changing flavors. Passionate about baking since childhood and with the idea that people should be able to taste more flavors without a post-dessert guilt trip, she decided to do what she loved and launched Baked by Melissa in 2008 after being fired from her job in advertising. Today, the company ships nationwide, operates 14 stores, and has sold over 150 million cupcakes. Every bite-sized treat is still made by hand using only the most delicious ingredients. With its highly acclaimed assortment of flavors, gift boxes for every occasion, and custom shipping packaging to ensure treats arrive safe and fresh, Baked by Melissa has become an endlessly popular gift-giving brand across the U.S. Melissa has been profiled in People, Forbes, Business Insider, has been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, Today Show, and more. In October of 2017, she released her first cookbook, Cakes by Melissa. Melissa currently serves as the company's CEO, still conceptualizes every new flavor, and commits herself to the same goal she had from day one, to make people happy one little bite at a time. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Melissa Ben Ishay. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to have you here. It's cool to read your bio and hear how long you've been on this journey, which we'll get to, but I feel like we don't see that often now where people are really building for a long period of time. So it's, it's awesome to read about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, tiring to hear. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know I'm tired. All right. Well, before we dive into your twenties, we do like to start every show with like a fun and light question. So My question for you is, what is something you've learned this past week? Maybe this past weekend, it could be an interesting thing you read, a conversation you had. Maybe it was like an article that taught you something new, but something new you learned from the past week. I think, well, something that I'm constantly focused on learning is just how to be a better version of myself. And I think I'm really trying to like be more present for my kids and just putting the phone away. But that's like, that's not really something that I learned. So something that I learned. No, but that is real. I mean, you talked about you also, there was like a hive situation. Did you learn you're allergic to something? Yeah, I guess. I learned that I, I don't know. I learned that I don't know why I got hives this weekend. I learned a lot about, I'm actually, I just wrapped a really exciting project and that focuses on food. And so I learned a lot about how to style food in the past week, which was awesome. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to give it away just yet. Love it. Okay. Styling food. 
I feel like that's also a skill set. Is that like what photographers possess or is that what like art directors or maybe a little bit of both? There are actually, there is a job to be a food stylist and they work on all different types of shoots, whether it's for video or just photography and similar to like a fashion stylist, they are styling what is being photographed. It's very interesting. I love learning about new careers that I did not know existed. I feel like especially post-COVID, I'm seeing lots of stuff that I'm like, oh yeah, that is a job. I do feel like someone could do that well. Yeah, no, it's a real job. And there are so many different ways to do things that you never really know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if someone is excited about food and photography and art direction and or maybe they're like a clothing stylist, which just like love food and want to switch careers. It's cool to know that that's an option for them. So maybe we've just helped someone figure out their career. Thank you for sharing. Awesome. Well, let's start at the very beginning. We're obviously going to talk a lot about your 20s and building the brand that you now run. But before we do that, I'd love to hear just about like your childhood. Like what did you want to be when you grow up? And did you think business was in your path? I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And even when people think they know what they want to be at a young age, they're probably wrong. So don't put so much pressure on yourself to know. I think it's better not to know. I am a follow your heart person. I don't think I've always been able to define myself with words that way, but I have absolutely always been seeking out happiness as my goal. And that is something that is very constant today. So when I graduated from college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but I thought it would be, my goal at the time was actually to move into the city. I grew up in a suburb of Manhattan and I just wanted to walk around Manhattan knowing where I was going and live there. And so I had to get a job in order to achieve that goal. And I figured, let me get all the interviews I can get. And naturally you'll go into an office at the time it was before COVID, but I'm sure people would be more than happy to interview in person today if you wanted to. And even still, you get so much information from talking to people about a job. You can ask them questions about expectations and what they love about their job. And so that's what I did. And I wound up having a few job offers after college and got my first job that I didn't wind up loving, but that's okay. Then I got another job seven months later. Awesome. And tell me a little bit about the school you chose. So from my understanding, you went to Syracuse. So you grew up in a suburb of Manhattan and you went to Syracuse. Why Syracuse? You know, why staying on the East Coast? What were you excited about with that, with that university? So I grew up, I have one sibling, my older brother. He's three and a half years older than me. And he went to Syracuse and I kind of followed him everywhere. Like we went to, I truly, I love him. So I applied to Indiana and Syracuse. Indiana was my safety and Syracuse was the school I really wanted to go to because he went there. And I got in, but I had, I think, applied to the liberal arts school and I got into the school of like human services, which is ironically like where all the food and hospitality type professions go. I was a child and family studies major, like by default, kind of like that sounds good. And if nothing else, like I do hope to be a parent one day. And so that's, I really don't put much pressure on myself. Even today, you got to like, the journey is the reward. Enjoy the journey. Yeah. And I think it's, it's cool to hear you just say like, yeah, it was reason enough. I just wanted to do what my brother did. That's it. There wasn't much more to it. So tell me about this child and family studies degree. You said you did it by default. Why did you decide child and family studies 
versus something else in hospitality or something else? Was it just like, I was just having fun and figuring it out and that seemed like cool classes. What was like the thought process there besides I could be a parent? I don't remember. I have friends who are much different than I am and they put like a lot of thought and into like all of these like quote big decisions in their lives. But nothing is final, especially not with decisions like this. You just have to start. I think I checked a box that said child and family studies because it just family and child, those resonated with me. Like there were probably other words that I didn't even understand. So why would I choose those? And truth, how many people go to college and change their major or pick different classes that they then like kind of put them on a slightly different path? It doesn't really matter. That's the type of person I am. And I think it does work to my advantage. I don't like I was gonna say like, and maybe it works against me sometimes, but it really doesn't. Like I just, I'm carefree. I'm not carefree. I'm like a free spirit more, I guess, than carefree. I care a lot. And so you say you're still like that today. Like, how does that show up now? How would you say like your friends that put a lot of thought and pressure into every decision, how do they handle things now versus how do you handle things now? Do you feel like it's stayed consistent through all these years? Yes, absolutely. And I think life doesn't get any easier. It gets better it gets so much better, but it gets so much harder. And you find yourself, if you're running a business like I am, I mean, you're making, and then you have kids, like you're making, and then there's a global pandemic. You're literally making these life-changing decisions multiple times a day, whether or not to lay off your employees, close your stores, like, how are you going to move forward? And if you overthink those decisions, then you're just going to get caught on the speed bump and never keep going forward. I love making decisions. Like I love it. And I think that, I guess my process is interesting. No matter what, it's always okay, first and foremost. So like, I know people who weigh decisions to a detriment and they wind up not making them. And that works more against you than making any decision. Being wrong is great. If you're wrong, you learn. Making mistakes are inevitable. You're going to make them. The biggest mistakes I've made have been my greatest learnings. And as long as you're staying true to who you are at your core as an individual, which most often means doing what's right, and that's defined differently for everybody, but I have my moral compass. And as long as I'm doing what's right, and the older you get, when I was in my 20s, I think I knew I had this like voice inside of me, but I didn't really understand it entirely or use it as a superpower the way that I do now. But you have your gut. And the more you follow your heart or your gut or that voice inside of you that knows what's best for you, the better you get at kind of having confidence in the decisions that you make. And then there's the practical side of things. You weigh your pros and cons. You think of the risks that you're going to take, and then you determine how you move forward. And the sooner you can get there, the better off you will be. What's the time frame? Are you like, so I think a lot of people have those timelines in their head. Like, I think about it for a week. If I'm still thinking about it a week later, I do a pro-con list. If I'm still thinking about it, I then make a decision or I wait six months or whatever. Like, do you have self-defined numbers that you stick to when it comes to like fleeting thoughts versus like making the decision? I think every type of decision is different. So when it comes to my personal life and family, there are usually timelines. You know you need to make a decision for where, whether you're going to hire a nanny or send your kids to daycare. You know that there is a, a, a time where you need to make that decision. Or if you truly don't know, 
then the best way to make the decision is to start going down one path, maybe the path that starts earlier to learn how it makes you feel. So like we actually, when we had our first child, we hired a nanny. If we didn't find anyone we liked, we knew we could put our daughter in daycare. We wound up actually putting her in daycare after having an unsuccessful nanny for six months, which was great. And it was the best thing ever. And I love that whole experience. We had the nanny, then we learned about daycare, which was harder for the parents. Or if it's work-related, usually the timeline depends on the information needed to make the decision. There's always the bigger decisions. You know, you have to ask a lot of questions. You seek to understand. You bring in the experts in the areas of the business. It has an impact on. And most often, the big decisions... I'm just listening. I am asking relevant questions, getting all of the information and bringing the team together. They ultimately arrive at the answer themselves or the decision themselves. It's very rare that I'll be like, no, we have to do this because we all get there together. And then I think the harder decisions, whether personal or professional, I have this process I take myself through, which I recently shared with my partner, like I guess I call him my partner. I don't know what he's my investor. I always kind of think of my worst case and, or that let's say I make the wrong decision and I picture myself being interviewed and being asked the question, do I regret anything? And if I can say no, then who the fuck cares if I failed? Cause I did everything I could, which often means like just doing everything you can to impact the results you're working towards, not being lazy, taking advantage of every opportunity that comes your way, asking all the right questions, making all the phone calls, even if you're tired and you don't feel like talking to somebody, you can't, you got to do it all. Yeah. It's so funny. As you're saying that, I'm sitting here and I'm like, should I pretend to ask you, do you regret anything? <laughs> but yeah, no, I, you don't. Yeah. And it's just so refreshing to hear you talk about. You just have such a propensity for action, which I think is is a muscle you have to build over time. I actually was at a conference last week and I heard, are you familiar with the marketplace whatnot? They're like the fastest growing live shopping marketplace. They like started a couple years ago. Now they're valued at over a billion dollars. And live shopping is like a really big thing now, or it's becoming a bigger thing as you know. And so anyway, someone asked him like, how do you handle team culture? How do you make decisions? And he was talking just similarly to you, like, you have to make decisions quickly. You have to take risks. And if within four business days, if you haven't made a decision, bring it to me and I'll make the decision. And he's like a big, like move at lightning speed. And I think that's something we don't talk enough about in business. You obviously, you have to have a good team and the market has to be right and the product has to be good. But like execution on decision-making is like huge. So it's really cool to hear you talk about it too. And I think people, one of my more frustrating types of people that I deal with are the people who don't know what they don't know. And my superpower as a leader is knowing what I don't know, almost to a point where I'm leading by example to teach people how important it is. So saying, I don't know, and like seeking to understand, or there are so many people who pretend that they know or think that they know, but they don't know. And I think the older you get, the more you experience in business, the more you learn that you don't know. And then also the only thing that is certain is that you will like yourself is who you live with. It's who you spend the rest of your life with. So you do it for you. I do it for me because I'm on this journey of growth and learning and I just always want to be better. 
And every decision that I make or really everything that I experience is ultimately something that I'm going to take with me as I grow. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the 20s, right? Is the whole like self-love piece of just like... Your 20s suck. <laughs> like they're the worst. I have such a point of view. I like Okay, my, fill me in. Go for it. So my parents got married when they were 20 and 21. They started dating when they were like 15 years old in Jamaica High School in Queens. And like, they never actually had that period of life where they graduated from college and they were kind of like out on their own. They had to support themselves. Most people, you know, do have to support themselves, pay rent. You go from being in college, a lot of us, some of us, you know, work and pay ourselves through college. Some of us are very privileged to have parents or, you know, paying for their education through college or they get scholarships. But for me, when I was in college, I'll be the first to tell you I was very privileged. I didn't have to do anything but like be in college, which. I'm not a professional student. I sucked at being a professional. I don't know how to study to this day. I, like, thank God. But you know what? You're the, like, I do know how to do what I do today. And so I didn't have a ton of responsibility in college. I knew that I had to go to the gym. If I would go to the gym, then I could smoke pot. And that, and like I went to class, but not, you know, I went to the classes I needed to go to. And I graduated, which in my opinion to this day is really all you need to do, just between us. But then, of course, I appreciate education today more than I ever did. And if I were in college today, I would absolutely go to all the classes because the opportunity to learn and educate is just incredible. That's besides the point. So anyway, you graduate from college, you go from like that, if you're like me, and then all of a sudden you're out on your own, you have a nine to five job, you're not entirely sure. Most organizations and companies, they, they're not great at communication and culture. They're just not, especially we all just went through a pandemic. Like taking care of you, you're an entry level role in this big organization a lot of the time. Good luck. You have to be your own, which I wasn't good at either. Like you really have to like they say, you need to advocate for yourself at your at the doctor. You also need to advocate for yourself in your first job, like anything you want. It's so easy and it's human nature, especially in your 20s, to blame everybody else. Uh-uh. Take responsibility for yourself in your career. Communicate proactively. Ask what's expected of you if you're not entirely sure. Ask how and what you need to do in order to be successful in your career. I didn't really do those things, which is fine because look, it, it worked, right? I got fired and started Baked by Melissa and ultimately learned through my experience there. But like you're at work all day, you're working late for like nothing, no money. And even today, if you're working remote, I think that would be harder because at least I like met all these people and like had the culture of this job. And then I don't know, like it's just the biggest shift ever. And your friends are changing, people move away you know, you're all in different cities. It was the hardest, in my opinion. And all I wanted to do was find something that made me feel fulfilled at the end of every day. I ultimately just wanted to find something I felt passionate about, which I did, obviously. But I didn't know what that was for what felt like a long time after college. You know, it was like, I think I spent like two and a little over two years in the workforce before Baked by Melissa. And then don't get me wrong, Baked by Melissa was hard as hell, especially in the beginning years. And I think we've been around for so long because of my resiliency and what didn't break me made me. And that's who I am. But yeah, it's just really hard. And I think 
I suggest going to the gym every day, quite honestly, because endorphins are real and they make you feel good and confident. And now more than ever, we're attached to our phones and these like social networks that could be great, but could also be very bad for our mentality. And so give yourself a break, go to the gym, go for a run, go for a walk, get a friend to go for a run with you every morning, hold yourselves accountable, do whatever you need to do to like feel good in a way that's good for you and not bad for you. Yeah, I love hearing your perspective. And it's so crazy even to hear you talk about how shitty it was and you only did a couple years in the workforce and you found that thing pretty early on, that thing that was starting to make you feel fulfilled. I think a lot of people, like you said, just want to find that thing that makes them light up, that they feel passionate about. And it seems like in your 20s, no one's advocating for you. Like you said, your friends are moving away. It can be very, very tough. So I appreciate you validating that. It also, that's why we started the show, to hear people like you literally say, like, I know it's shitty, but like I ended up starting this thing and I was resilient and I made it. So tell me about these like first couple jobs out of school. There's these like two years after you graduate from Syracuse. Tell me about it. Tell me about those jobs. So the first job was at Telerapp. It was a media sales company. I was an assistant media planner. I worked on, I don't remember what floor, but it was at like one Dag Hammerskold Plaza on 48th Ooh, and Lex. She remembers. Um, Good for you. It was Dag Hammerskold Plaza. I think it was one. And I actually wound up getting my first apartment in New York City, like a block away, which was so dumb. It's like, don't do that. Like, it's good to have, like, separation. Because it allowed me to, like, go home for lunch when I should have been, like, being awkward and, like, making friends that I didn't really want to, you know, whatever. My desk was right outside of a... So there was just, like, desks and offices in lines. And so my desk was, was outside of a salesperson's office. Michael Kidd was his name. We both loved classic rock. And I wound up making the very first batch of tie-dye cupcakes for his 30th birthday because we both loved The Grateful Dead. And I made him... Grateful Dead tie-dye cupcakes with the steal your face on them. And when I brought them into work, the response I got was just like this feeling that I always wanted to have. And I just kept baking the tie-dye cupcakes for the next two years. And it wound up becoming something I was known for. And throughout those years, I still didn't realize that I was passionate. It could be a thing. So you're good. We're all okay. That job in hindsight, honestly, Michael was great. And there were so many great people there, but sales, I'm not built for sales. And at the time, I think like it was like these older men coming back from like liquid lunches that like, mm, it's just not acceptable. And then I had a friend from college who worked at Deutsch Advertising. Advertising already sounds more glamorous than being a sales assistant, although I wanted to be an assistant media planner at Deutsch. Like she told me that they were hiring. We would talk. She would tell me how great like the culture was. It was like it was the great culture. I could wear a sweatshirt and jeans to work every day. And I wound up getting that job after interviewing there for like three months, I think. And that office was actually like in the Google building in Chelsea, right across from Chelsea Market. It was a great location. It was right near my brother, my brother's apartment. I would walk from Murray Hill to that office every morning and at like after work. And that was great. I love walking in the city. And I would go out with my brother after work. The work itself though, again, I spent, so I spent like the, they were building my team when I was hired. So I spent the first like month drawing in my cubicle, like literally like just doodling. Nobody, nobody like, which in hindsight, like I should have found, I should have gone to HR and been like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in my job, but I didn't. I just sat there and like colored. And then 
I wound up like working on a, a couple of different accounts. I made great friends there, loved my cube mate. It was like fun. We'd go out to eat a bunch and like there were great happy hours, but the work itself sucked. I mean, obviously I was an assistant media planner and I didn't know, like, I wasn't interested in it. I would, I didn't want to grow. I didn't want to learn about like how to be great. I remember staying there until 11 PM printing out decks for meetings that like, I wasn't like, ugh. every email I wrote had to be proofread. I remember, or like every email I wrote that like was going to go to like our account, I guess. I remember saying to like my boss once, like, well, if you're going to spend all this time, like correcting my work, why don't you just do it? Which wow, it was probably so rude, but very like honest. Like I just meant it. Like this feels like such a waste of time. Like we're not in school. Like what are, what is happening here? So I got fired needless to say. And probably, I think I probably pissed a lot of people off. And to this day, like what makes me great is probably what got me fired. I'm very direct. I have no filter. I just like, I'm not a beat around the bush person. My team knows this about me. And like, I, now I try, I try and start every call with like, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? Like, I have more to do in a day than I have time to do, but sure. So anyway, whatever. I got fired. Fine. It's good. That's hilarious. Yeah. I just love that you don't, you haven't changed after all these years that like the reason you got fired then is something that's like now what you've built your strengths in for. I think people need to hear that though. The only way to truly know that is to fail. So failure is freaking amazing. And if you feel like shit right now, that's okay because it's going to make not feeling like shit so, so sweet. Like, and just stay true to yourself. Like I read, I like every now and then if I'm going through a really hard time, I'll like write, like I'll write a journal entry. I, I especially did that in certain phases of my business. And I recently was at my parents' house. I read like my middle school journal, my high school journal, and then like journal entries from like the past 15 years. And I'm like, damn, like I've always been the same person and I am so proud of myself. And you'll get there too. Just know that your 20s suck. (laughs) I love it. And I love how authentic you are. I think and that you're aware of it. You're like, I know this is who I am. I am direct. I sometimes struggle with saying, hi, how are you? but that's who you are through and through. It's so funny you say that too about the firing. It reminds me, I was, when I was young, I was actually kicked out of, I was fired from Hebrew school because I also like, like similar to you being like, couldn't you do this yourself? I was like, like, couldn't you do these emails yourself? I remember I was like, but this whole God thing, like you can't prove it. How are people splitting red seat? Like there's frogs falling from the sky. There's no, I mean, frogs don't. And I was just challenging it like the same way you were with the emails. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And I was very direct at like seven. And I was like kicked out and they were like, she cannot question. And then I remember my mom being like, what? Like, of course she should be able to question. And then now that I'm older, it's like, oh yeah, people that question stuff all the time are entrepreneurs. That's what they do. They challenge the status quo. They just have to find the thing that they want to build. But like if someone is like always getting fired or kind of told to like shut up and just listen and not question things, then they like are in the wrong spot. They should just go build something that they think makes sense. Right. So I agree with you. And like, it is true that like women who are born to be leaders are seen as bitches, like, or just like over aggressive. Like that, I believe all of that. But with the caveat that, you know, when you're in your 20s, especially, you have to hold yourself accountable for you and your own happiness. So well, everything that I'm saying is true, 
but it's up to you to make yourself happy. You can't just quit your job. You, if you get fired, by the way, you got to get another job or you're going to go home. And then what are you going to do? If you, if you're lucky enough to have a place to go, you're going to be bored as hell. You're going to be even more miserable. And so doing what's right for you is also incredibly difficult during a very incredibly difficult time. I remember when I was living with roommates in Murray Hill, but like one had a very serious boyfriend. The other like was working on weekends, had different type of career paths. And there were plenty of like Saturdays where I would wake up and I'm like, what am I going to do today? And like, I like to be busy all the time. I would like walk around the city and it was like, I, I wound up making like a great day for myself, but that's hard. So, and it's hard if you don't like your job, but you can create goals and milestones for yourself to make the change necessary to find happiness. And I believe more than anything that we should all just work towards happiness. Because that's the truest success, in my opinion. And the way that you get there is with a very specific attitude and mindset, which is every challenge is an opportunity to learn and grow. I promise, I promise that if you see every challenge as an opportunity to learn and grow and you hold yourself accountable, that means you can't blame other people. You cannot. We don't control other people. We only control ourselves. And the only thing we can control is the way that we respond to the things that happen to us. That's really hard. People love to complain and blame other people. Can't do it. I, to a fault, hold myself accountable. When people suck at their jobs, it's my fault. I could have given them more structure. I, what could I have done differently to impact a different reality today? Learn from that and embody it for moving forward. Then you win. I promise. I'm 38 years old. Every day I learn more and I, I realize I don't know anything. It's so hard. It only gets harder, but it gets so much better. And as But you have to have a positive attitude and hold yourself accountable. Yeah. It's very refreshing to hear you talk about that. And even how you now as a leader hold other people accountable by taking responsibility. Like you talk about how if someone doesn't like their job or they're not doing a good job, you're like, what could I do better? It's you're holding yourself accountable to whatever small piece you're contributing to their job. You know, maybe it's only 10 or 20%, but you're like taking extreme ownership and being like, what could I have done better? This falls on me. And I think we don't see that enough. Right. And ultimately it's like providing better structure. But if I were, I can so relate to the people who like start working for me and they fail because that was me. And what could I have, what would I have benefited from at that age? But no matter what role you're in, and 20-somethings today, I love you guys. You're the future. But you tend to blame everybody else. And you tend to think you don't need to work hard. And you tend to think that you should be able to do whatever you want and whatever. It's true. I love you all. But I found myself being like, holy shit, I'm old. I'm like complaining about, like, no, like I have, I have 20-somethings. Like, I am the CEO and founder of a company that employs hundreds of people and I have some 20-somethings, the lowest level on the totem pole, giving me very, like being the way I was. I guess I was always like that, which I appreciate and I take. But I think that I am different than most people in my role. And because I know, because I work with those people too. And I think, yeah, it's not easy for anyone. <laughs> not easy. But I think that's also like an opportunity. Like if a lot of people in their 20s aren't, working as hard and aren't busting their balls or whatever, not to be crude, but like they, 
there's an opportunity for the people that do to really stand out above the rest and like really build something cool um, and figure out their path. And I think nobody like asking questions is great. Just ask as many questions as you can, but don't co- go at it like you know everything. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so you get fired from this job doing advertising and you were kind of known for bringing tie-dye cupcakes in for birthdays and stuff. What's like the next path before Baked by Melissa? Do you go home? Do you stay where you are? When does that idea come to you? And then what is like the next step to starting it? Okay, so this is going to sound crazy, but I got fired on June 28th, 2008. And my brother had just moved into his very first office in Manhattan. He and our childhood friend, Matt, started an interactive agency, which means they were building websites for people using developers in India to build websites for like really cool brands. And so I went, they had just gotten their phones installed, like literally that morning. And so I called from my cubicle where I was supposed to be packing up my personal belongings, my brother crying. And I said, I got fired. And without hesitation, he said, don't worry, it's the best thing that ever happened to you, the great big brother that he is. And I got into a taxi and I went right to their office and we smoked a joint. And my brother is like an entrepreneur and he always was coming up to this day, like he always has all these business ideas. And so he said, I got to go home, bake your cupcakes and we'll start a business out of it. And I listened. I actually used to stop and buy cupcakes every day on my way home from work at the Clover Deli on 34th and 2nd, which I just learned closed, which sucks. And I actually went home and baked four batches of cupcakes, tie-dye, of course, peanut butter cup, cookie dough, and s'mores. I did it because that's something that would make me happy and get my mind off of being fired. And my brother will admit today that's why he told me to do that. But we always wanted to start a business together. So I baked like 250 cupcakes the night I was fired. And my best friend's little sister, Carly, was staying with me for the summer while she interned at a PR agency in Manhattan, a very well-known PR agency. So I sent the cupcakes into work with Carly the next morning, the morning after I was fired. And lo and behold, everyone freaked out over these cupcakes. And the owner of the PR agency really was like, oh my God, you should start a business. Can I put you in touch with my caterer? And so the day after I was fired, I actually got a call from this caterer asking me to come in for a tasting. And so then I ran back to my brother's office and I said, holy shit, we have this opportunity. Let's go in there. Like we have a business already and he could be a part of it. So we decided on a name and a logo, literally on the spot, Baked by Melissa. I really wanted to name the company Baked. It was a natural extension of myself at the time. Yes, I smoked pot every day. After I got my work done, and now I have kids and I just need every ounce of energy. So no, I do not smoke pot every day anymore, but I do like a good gummy when I can, although it still makes me tired the next day, whatever. And then my brother insisted to have a personal tie. So we settled on baked by Melissa. Couldn't be more perfect. I get to get everyone baked by Melissa. And then my brother, our childhood friend, Matt, who is our third co-founder of baked by Melissa, He designed the logo literally as Brian and I are having that conversation. He turns around his monitor. He's a creative genius and other types of genius too. And he said, what do you think of this as the logo? I cried when I saw it. If I were a logo, that would be me. And it's the same logo that we obviously have today, 15 years later. And so I stopped at the Clover Deli where I used to buy cupcakes every day on my way home from work. I asked them for a flat pastry box. They knew me by name there because I was a regular And then I glued the logo on top of these white pastry boxes and went to the tasting at the caterer. And for that tasting, I made the cupcakes mini, not yet bite size. They looked very much the way that they look today, like they were topped with whatever they're stuffed with. 
And the caterer said, yum, these are great. From a catering perspective, people love just the bite. They like freak out. If you could figure out how to make them just a bite, oh my God. He and the owner of the PR agency both claimed that it was their idea to make them just a bite. So I have no idea whose idea it was. But guess what? It doesn't fucking matter because I actually did it. I calmed the streets of New York. I figured out how to make them just a bite. And I started doing events with the caterer. And for the first event that I did, which was about two weeks after that tasting, we had business cards made with our name, our logo. My brother and Matt created this beautiful website, bakedbymelissa.com. We shot every image on my Ikea coffee table with a white bed sheet under it. So you go to Baked by Melissa, you have this rotating, jewel-worthy slideshow of our product, and then you could order 100 cupcakes or more using PayPal that anywhere in Manhattan, I would deliver them. And so the business cards were, that's it. They drive you to our website. So we displayed the cupcakes at the very first event in an acrylic jewelry box. It was a PR event. So all these like women were like, oh my God, bite size cupcakes. Oh my God, these are so cute. And that's how we started getting business right away. I did more events. I would be filling orders on days I didn't have an event. I would cold call catering companies and ask if I could bring them a free tasting of my cupcakes. We all worked our butts off and we knew we had something and I'm still working my butt off 15 years later. And by the way, working hard towards things you love, that's all I ever want. Oh my God. What a cool story. I can't believe it happened that fast. I mean, when you talk about like you take action quickly and you make moves, you are not joking. I mean, that's incredible right away. And that you had the confidence of your big brother. I feel like that's really special too, that he was just right there with you. I did not have the confidence of myself. I like he had all the but he, you had him right that's exactly right and so you're not expected to do it all it's called baked by Melissa but I am one of many and that many has changed throughout the years my co-founders are not in the day-to-day with me at all anymore and they haven't been for a long time but surrounding yourself with people who have skills that you don't have in personal and business is so important and There are times when you're feeling down and life is hard, whether it's personal or professional, that's when you pick up the phone and you call the one or maybe two people that, you know, get it and and help lift you up. Don't call the person that makes you feel like shit, who you think deep down is happy because you're sad. Don't call her. Like call the people who lift you up and surround yourself with those people. And yeah, you probably have friends that have all these friends. Well, I didn't. And I still don't. And that's okay because you can't have it all. You just can't. Yeah. I think that's what's really hard too. I'd love to ask you about building something in your 20s. There's this like dichotomy between like having fun and partying and you don't have kids or responsibilities and go have all the friends. And then there's the like other side of it, which is set yourself up well for your 30s. Work really, really hard. I wish I could tell myself to put their money in the 401k and let it compound. And there's sort of these like two camps. And you obviously did the like hustle very hard and start building when you were like, you know, 23, 24, right out of school, a couple years out of school. When you look back on that time now, you say you don't regret anything, but like, do you recommend other entrepreneurs just like get down and grind and build and work really hard in their 20s? Do you wish you had more fun and, you know, like partying? Because I think obviously if you start something in your 20s, like you're going to be working 24 seven to make that happen. You're not going to be out as much and like enjoying. No, that's right. Well, I think it's very important that you stay true to yourself. I was very focused on getting a job. I didn't like some, my friends like went and traveled after they graduated. Not me. I started work and do I regret it? No, I don't. And 
that was important for me. I also never really liked to party. Even in college, I actually worked at the bar. I liked to hang out with everyone at the pregame and then like go home early and go to sleep or get high with my friends who like wanted to stay back. Like that's just who I am. But I think being laser focused on just taking steps forward. But I think like you have to follow what makes you feel good as long as it's productive, as long as it's not like going out and getting drunk every night. Like you could find yourself a career in hospitality, you know, if nightlife is something that you're interested in, like, especially today. I mean, you could do, you could truly do anything, but we could only have one top priority and we could only do so many things. So my priority today, I have two, I have my family and I have baked by Melissa and you bet that meant making choices that weren't easy. I did not once Baked by Melissa started, I was supposed to go on birthright actually for two weeks with one of my best friends. And I remember my brother being like, Baked by Melissa or birthright? I was like, Baked by Melissa. So I didn't go on birthright. I remember, you know, my only, the only people that I hung out with were people who came to the basement of Cafe Barry, where I did all my baking, turned over a milk crate and talked to my back while I was baking cupcakes. Like that was my priority. And I honestly could have never done it with kids because you, I lived baked by Melissa. I was working 15 hours a day or more, seven days a week. I mean, we would count up our hours, 80, a hundred hours a week. I might as well have been an investment banker. Like I, but that's what it takes. And I think that's why it's so important to do something that you love is a very strong word, but something that makes you feel good and fulfilled and if you don't have that right now, that's totally, you're not supposed to, if you're in your twenties, nobody does. They may think they do guarantee. They're like, you'll, you'll see. It's just, nobody has it figured out at your age. And the ones who claim that they do, they're just that type of person that they're like, I've also learned that like, I've always been very open. There are some people who just aren't. There are some people who would rather have people think that they have their shit together than to be honest with themselves and the people that they're friends with. And that's okay too. How did you handle the friendship shifts of like that time where you said some friends would show up and sit on a milk crate carton and look at your back and some friends wouldn't show up at all? Like, how did you rationalize that? Because I think what I'm seeing now too is there's like a pretty, a wide variety of friends where some really are working very hard and building their careers and kind of doing the like 80 to 100 hour weeks. Some not as much. Some are able to just kind of like hang and freelance and it's all fine, but there's a lot of shifts going going on. And so how did you handle that with friendships? Like, were you just like, "Eh, it is what it is. I also have a point of view. I also have a really big point of view there. So I had the added challenge of actually like, I remember in college, like there were... I think everyone thought I was cool and I was very liked, but there was like definitely like a group that I never really felt like I was a part of. And then all of a sudden, like Baked by Melissa starts and everyone wants to be my friend or like everyone's saying that they're my friend. And I remember the first birthday I had after we opened our first store, like my Facebook wall, like all like, like hundreds of people wrote on my Facebook wall, which compared to the year before was like a big difference. And I remember like, it wasn't a good feeling. I cried. Like I, I, it was very overwhelming. And all of a sudden there, all these people want to be my friend, but it's for the wrong reason. And it's not real. It's like superficial friendships. But so I think that was a great lesson for me in life because that's really what it is. Just to be clear to this day, like people, I have, I've heard people say it like, Oh, I love being 
friends with Melissa because, you know, it's cool and she, whatever. You don't need those relationships. But even before that happened, I think, and today even still, it's very difficult, the friendships and navigating it. And I'll tell you, like my parents always used to say, you know, families forever, like be nice to your sibling, whatever, like friends come and go. Friends come and go. I have my best friend from camp who was my maid of honor, who is still my best friend. Sometimes we go a month without talking to each other and we both live in the same city. Everybody's journeys become unique to themselves and it becomes harder and harder. And then you have these best friends by circumstance or you know, my all of my closest friends are through my kids now. And then during COVID, most of them moved away. And now I have my one close mom friend who like I would die without. And I talk to her every day. And she's like a newer friend. I'm like, you can't ever leave me. And she, you know what? There's going to be a time where our lives, I hope for, we stay in the same town forever. I, I truly do. But like that is not based on my life experiences, realistic. And you keep in touch with the people who you love most and you just have to accept that like I think I said earlier like I'm with myself for the rest of my life you know friends come and go you surround yourself with the people who make you feel good it's not going to be a lot and if you're fortunate like I was to have a job that demands all your time then it's a really good opportunity to focus on something that's for you and there's going to be collateral that doesn't feel good. And it's likely going to be in the friend department and other areas too. Nothing is perfect. Everything great is really fucking hard. It's really hard. And even when I tell the story of how we started the company, I mean, that was one of the harder times of my life too. And I'm not, I don't focus on that because I don't focus on those things in my life. Like that's who I am. Like I focus on the good and what I can impact. And I, I think that's also a big part of why I'm where I am today. Yeah, it's just refreshing to hear you talk about and be so real about it. Like I think there's just a lot of public perception that like successful entrepreneurs have a million friends and they whatever. But I think when you're in your 20s and you're going through it, there's a lot of like, as you start to achieve things or do things, I'm just seeing friends, it starts to become a little bit more uncomfortable and you you question people's intentions and certain friendships you had forever start to fade and new come in. And it's just, it's a very complicated process. And it's just refreshing to hear you talk about how like, even now you're still having the like, you know, friends moving out of the city and you're still figuring out the friends come and go. Yeah. And also I, like I like see on Instagram, like other people like in my like successful women who like appear to have these groups of like other successful women, whether they're like in the Hamptons and they have all these pretty dinner parties where they're like, I don't have that. I don't, I don't even think they have what they portray that they have for what it's worth. I think they all talk shit about each other or like maybe they don't and maybe, but like it's all just fabricated. So don't aspire for that. Just aspire for happiness. I I can't stress that enough. Like, I don't need to have that. I don't think they're like, you know, like what you see and what is real are just two totally different things. And you do need to continue to remind yourself of that. And I didn't when I was in my 20s because Instagram, Instagram started like after big five, like 2012, I think. So it's harder now. It's even harder now, which is why you need like your core values that you stick to even more. And that's what I try and provide like in every type of interview that I have. And I think you need it in your 20s, but you need it arguably even more in your 30s. 
And that's all I've gotten to so far. So I'll let you know about the 40s when I get there. <laughs> You're like, I can only tell you up until 38. But I think this like authentic, this authenticity piece just keeps shining through. And I think it's so important because if you do like the big group things and you do like the fancy schmancy dinners and a million friends, fine. But a lot of people do like the smaller, more intimate. I don't like groups. I don't do well. I don't do well in groups either. I really like one-on-one like dinners and stuff. Okay, so I could keep picking your brain forever. I so appreciate your thoughts and advice. I do have one final question for you before we wrap. It's something we ask all our guests. Obviously, you've thankfully inserted lots of, you know, gems for 20-somethings throughout the conversation. But if there's one piece of advice that you could give to all 20-somethings, what's that advice? You can do anything. You can absolutely do anything. It's hard. So you have to commit yourself to doing it but you can do anything, especially today. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Can you tell everyone where they can get their uh, tie-dye bite-sized cupcakes and where they can like learn more about what you're doing and maybe if they want to get some more words of wisdom from you, follow you on social. Can you tell them where to find you? Well, so first of all, if you need to send somebody a gift, whether they're miserable or happy or celebrating a birthday or an anniversary, Bake by Melissa is the place. Go to bakebymelissa.com. You can choose your arrival date. We make the best gift and it makes people happy during good times and bad. And you could, it's just the best. And if you want to see more Bake by Melissa, I mean, TikTok is like, I spend a weird amount of my time just creating content for TikTok and also running Baked by Melissa. But there's just, that's where you can see and get inspired to create food and dessert and meals. And then obviously Baked by Melissa on Instagram. Then you could also, I have a personal Instagram account, Melissa Banishai, but I'm all in on Baked by Melissa everywhere. So yeah, I don't know. Awesome. Very cool. I have a hypothesis just to bring it full circle. This food stylist is doing something cool for TikTok, but we will keep our eyes and ears peeled for what is on there. So thank you for that, up. And I also love that you love the Grateful Dead. I love the Grateful Dead. I think you I should. If you're, the... if you're having a day, go to the gym and then just listen to the Grateful Dead. You'll, you'll feel better. In oh my gosh. Time. And the Beatles. The Beatles, the lyrics of the Beatles songs get me through life. The best. I actually went to see Dead and Company with John Mayer like two or three months ago. And the Where? vibes were just incredible. In LA, like I think it was at Dodger Stadium. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I remember that. I'm in New York, but we almost went to Bethel, but we didn't. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I also just love John Mayer. And yeah, so for I me, love I was Mayer just too. in heaven. He's, yeah, so, he's good. so good. I'm so happy for him. I feel like this is like the job of a freaking lifetime. If somebody would have told him as a kid that he was going to be headlining for dead, like what? Um, it's just the coolest thing ever. It's great. The, the coolest, but also like he's worked so, he's the best guitar player ever and works so hard. So he deserves it. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. It was so nice chatting. Thank you. It's great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts. 